Welcome to the Tonestone Podcast. I'm Garrett Ryan, and my guest today is Sue Alcock, Barnett Funding Professor of Classical Archaeology at the University of Oklahoma. Professor Alcock, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Garrett. Oh, yeah, my, my pleasure, too. So I want to talk today about your first book, uh, Graecia Capta, which explores the, the fate of Greece under Roman rule. And uh, you know, even today, Roman Greece is kind of neglected compared to the days of Pericles and Plato, classical Greece. And it's even more so when you wrote this book. So why is it that Roman Greece is so neglected in scholarship? Well, uh, first I want to thank you because you brought it of to course. my attention that's actually uh, uh, Graecia Capta came out in 1993, so it's its 30th oh, anniversary. Yeah. Seems seems like yesterday. Yeah. So why is it neglected? Well, you know, I think you touched on it. There's kind of, you know, it's the glare off all that white marble in the <laughs> classical period. It kind of, you know, occludes, you know, what came before and what came after. You know, you know, you have an apogee and then you have sort of decline. Mm. So I, I think it's uh, to an extent it was partly that. Now, the period before the archaic period, uh, people kind of came in and rehabilitated that. So, you know, brought, you know, more work, more attention, more time. Uh, but the Roman period, it, it sort of... It 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 uh, it's it stayed in the shadows longer, and in some ways, I think the Greeks kind of hoist themselves in their own petard because their emphasis was on, you know, the freedom of the Greeks and the independence of the Greeks. That was a key component of their identity. And then, you know, the Romans come in and take over, and basically, Greece stays more or less in imperial systems from that point until the Greek Revolution mm -hmm. of the early nineteenth century. So it's you know it's um it it's kind of uh, you know the bigger they are, the harder they fall kind of <laughs> attitude. They were so great. And then they, you know, they disappear into these imperial situations. Not a, not a happy story from many traditional perspectives, not a, not a, uh, uh, interesting story for people used mm -hmm. to studying the winners. Right. Yeah. It lacks the, the sex appeal, I guess, of, you the know, fr appeal, free, yeah. independent, you know, classical Greece. Yeah, and, well, uh, all right. that good stuff. All but you know, stuff. you're absolutely right. Now, I uh, I think the situation is much different. There's much more attention. Still, not as much as there should be. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, back when I was working on my this uh, emerged out of my uh, 1989 dissertation at the University of Cambridge, and the uh, you know back then it was just like. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> and, you know, there's a famous uh, Steve Dyson uh, said, you know, you want a one-way trip to academic obscurity, you know, <laughs> do, do something on Roman Greece. And, of course, that was just, you know, catnip, you know. <laughs> let's let's do it. All right. Well, we're all glad you did, honestly, because it opened up this uh, the door to a very interesting topic, at least for this podcast. But uh, so according to the Romans, as they talked a lot about Greece and their various poems and, you know, and their sources – what happened to Greece? Why did it, had it fallen so far from that brilliant marble classical apogee? Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, our textual sources are are fascinating on on this topic, uh, and of course, we, you know, you have to remember that this is, you know, uh, uh, literary attitudes with their own biases, their own agendas, yada yada. You know, we all we all know this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, what sort of comes through to me is a a kind of a love-hate relationship. You know, the Romans have an enormous and 
uh, genuine admiration for many aspects of Greek cultural production. You know, they uh, that's one reason so many Greek statues make their way mm -hmm. back to Rome and get appropriated where they're emulated and treasured. You know, uh, there's Horace's line, you know, Greece the captive took its savage victor mm -hmm. captive, brought the arts to rustic Latium, yada, yada. That's where I got my the book title, uh, you know, but side by side that goes a certain... Uh, you know, well, that's all very well then, you know, but other things are more important than mm. culture. So, you know, <laughs> Greeks make art, you know, Romans make war and law and peace. You know, you, know, you can go back to Virgil and see this mm -hmm. kind of played out trope. Um, and I, I found that, uh, you know, it's very interesting, the things you end up studying and how they come from the time and the headspace and the place you're in at, at, uh, as a graduate student. I was over in England at Cambridge uh, working on all this in the years of the special relationship, the mm. Ronald Reagan and Maggie Thatcher. I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> but, you know, the, it, it's, it's sort of like, you know, I've heard I've heard this song before reading about the Greeks and the mm -hmm. Romans. and It's kind of like, oh, America, you know, we just love masterpiece theater. And, oh, that <laughs> British sense of humor is so just right, charming. Right. Yeah, but, you know basically England no longer rules the waves, we do. So there was this kind of, mm -hmm. you know, sort of back and forth on one level, uh, cultural admiration and other ways, um, not quite contempt, but a certain, you know. Right, right. A dismissiveness. Yeah. Your day, your day is past. Dismissive is a good word. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, you know, it is interesting and kind of this, right, you said the ambivalence about Greece that, you know, yeah, we've taken a lot from you guys, but also, you know, you're a province now, so deal with it. Yeah, and it's and it's it's it kind of uh, keeps going. Uh, there's not a lot written about mm -hmm. Roman Greece in like 19th century, say, scholarship. But there's usually this, you know, it really is this kind of sense that you are so amazing. So the height was high and the low was low. And I think it becomes mm -hmm. kind of this narrative trope right. in a way. Yeah, you let us down. <laughs> so how can archaeology uh, complement and or correct, you know, this yeah. very curious textual picture we have of Roman Greece? Yeah, um, it's, uh, how to put it, you know, the textual sources you know, they can't just be thrown out, but you do have to, you know, and there is good in there. There are things mm -hmm. you you can mine that are useful, but you really have to do so intense source criticism. You know, is this a trope? Did the author know, have a clue? <laughs> What's the agenda? You know, but fundamentally, you know, it was, arche you know, I think archaeology was the first thing to turn to to try to change this picture. Um, now, of course, archaeology, you know, you know, is... You know, it'd be a fib to say, we find the truth, you know, but it can at least offset the silence of the sources or the, you know, the negativity or the predictability of the sources. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the trick is playing them off each other. You know, you right. can't, you know, it's it's kind of a balance. I, you know, I guess compliment is, 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 is a word, you know, but, you know, it's not that one is right and the other is wrong, but, you know, they're both saying something about the world that we're studying, but... Um, but it's certainly, uh, we needed more than we had. You know, so what I would say is the most fundamental thing that archaeology does for the study of Roman Greece is uh, to just undercut, to just shed another very common preconception about, um, about the province. Uh, and that is that nothing really changed. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that the, is sort of this, if you read the, the literature based on the sources, it's kind of, you know, the Greeks keep doing their Greek thing. The Romans let them get on with it. Uh, you know, as if Greece kind of goes into this kind of timeless, passive bubble mm-hmm. and nothing changes. And, you know, partly that's, you know, it all kind of goes back to the lack of attention on the part of the Romans, but also, of course, on uh, because we, and you know, we're following their lead. Right. Our, our lack of attention as well. So uh, so archaeology seemed to be one place where we you know, there was something there. Mm-hmm. Let's see what, what story we can tell with what we have and see see where the chips fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know that um, Pausanias has proved very useful. You know, people kind of dismissed him for a long time. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Your boy Pausanias. My yeah. man, my yeah. man. Yeah, he's, yeah, poor Pausanias. He's, he's been through the mill. He, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, he, you know, made the whole thing up, you know, he never went there, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, can't trust him an inch. And then, uh, you know, uh, Christian Habeck, the, the great scholar, mm-hmm. basically went and said, hey, uh, you know, fact check, you know, and Pausanias, uh, he's got his head screwed on right about a lot of things. <laughs> so it became, you know, I mean, it's still, it's still, you know, it's, you know, you know, not saying he's the New York, sure, well, right. you know, the New York Times, right, 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 but, right. but he's, <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a lot there that can be that can be mined out and and mm-hmm. and used, and I, you know, so Pausanias is, yeah, one of my all time favorites. So returning to archaeology can can help us get a, a fuller picture uh, of Roman Greece. Um, you made a lot of use in the book of survey archaeology. Uh, now, what what can survey archaeology, archaeology tell us for those of us who are neophytes in the world of, of archaeology? You know, what what kinds of things do you find and what kinds of artifacts? And and what do these tell us about things like settlement patterns? Right. Good. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, survey. Uh. Regional survey. Pedestrian survey. Surface reconnaissance. It has. It has various names. Mm-hmm. Uh. And just to give you a sense of what how you do it, uh. Basically involves you know lining people up, separated by a certain distance, and walking across the surface of the earth. Uh. uh pretty much just staring at your feet, and this uh, is can be incredibly frustrating because you're mm-hmm. often in very very beautiful landscapes and you're not <laughs> looking at the view you're looking at your feet and what you're looking for is is basically any trace of human behavior mm-hmm. past and uh, increasingly present contemporary archaeology so you know uh, try it yourself go out and you know just walk around look at the ground and and see what you see but you know you can find uh you know black lace potsherds from the cla- in Greece you can find black lace potsherds from the classical period you can find prehistoric stone tools you can find walls you can find terraces you can find millstones uh you can find you know tiny votive uh, mask fragments uh <laughs> you know you can find roman amphora toes uh and you know you could find you know, a bubblegum wrapper next to a <laughs> coin of Tiberius, next to a cigarette butt, next to a piece of African red slip ware <laughs> from the late Roman period. I mean, I made that one up, but it's possible. It's kind of an archaeological palimpsest. So uh, no one believes that you can actually find that stuff, but that's, um, you know, my family still doesn't believe it after doing this for at least 40 years, uh, but it does. And in the right kind of setting, it this material appears and it just so happened that greece uh in the you know um it took off in the 1970s 1980s greece was still being cultivated and plowed and you know material was being brought up to the surface and that's when i was in school and that's kind of the archaeology i fell into um so you know um you have to use it in the right 
way, of course. Oops, I think I skipped a step. No, yeah, no I worries. Really, yeah, I really haven't answered. What can you, what can you tell? Um, well, thinking about like settlements, for example, sediment density, yeah. kinds of settlements. Um, you know, what can we yeah. tell from this? You know, scattershot of artifacts about that. Yeah, yeah. So you're seeing. You've got this sort of palimpsest and then, you know, it's, you know, everything on the same level. So, you know, how do you tease out the mm -hmm. stories? So you look at the material you found, you date it, you figure out its functionality. Um, and then you can begin to say, okay, you know, this, this, these finds suggest, say, a small settlement, or this could be a, a farmhouse, or this mm -hmm. could be a sanctuary, or this could be a cemetery. Uh, so you can sort of map out over time you know, where people did these various activities in a particular period and, you know, sort of watch the changes through time. You know, if now they're living here, they're worshiping here. Now they're burying here and mm -hmm. living over there. Now there's nothing in the countryside. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, you have to appreciate the evidence of the survey evidence for what it is. It's a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not excavation. It's not a detailed, precise examination of a particular place. It's more of an impressionistic and quite right. complicated uh, picture of a of a landscape over time. And if you take it that way, you know, it it's good. The problems often come when people ask questions that surveys not designed mm. not designed to answer, as in you know any kind of archaeological methodology. Right, right. You have to match your questions to your methods. Yeah. Um, Okay, so on the basis of the surveys that you studied and that you were yourself involved in, yeah. um, you know, this is of course a very, very global question. Um, how did the Greek countryside tend to change under Roman rule? And the the, 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 the million dollar question is, um, and maybe it's <laughs> the wrong kind of question like you were just saying, you know, how closely can those changes be connected with the fact of Roman rule? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there were... There were a, a couple, I should take a step back. At the time I worked on uh, Graecia Capta, um, it was probably about as early as anyone could have written mm -hmm. the book. There was just enough survey evidence out and published, or some people very kindly made their results available to me before it was published. Um, so, you know, we had certain data sets of varying quality and mm -hmm. we had to sort of, you know, I had to sort of assess where to, where to, you know, where to put more emphasis than others. Uh, but what popped out was that there was a significant reduction in um, rural activity of, uh, of what we call dots on the map, mm -hmm. you know, where we found stuff in the countryside in uh, the late Hellenistic, early, early Roman periods, which basically is the period when Rome enters, mm -hmm. significantly enters, enters the picture. Um, now, before that, there'd been sort of an efflorescence. There was a very busy countryside, uh, lots of signs of, so, you know, what seems to be agricultural intensification, or at least more time spent mm -hmm. in the countryside. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it sort of tails off. Now, that, uh, you know, a distinct pattern in just about every data set I looked at, um, and then, you know, you got to sort of, okay, let's kick the tires on this. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so is it just a function of our evidence, you know, because going back to the the original sin of all this that no one had pay, paid much attention, mm -hmm. you know, is that we don't know the pottery sequences. So we're not recognizing what, you know, there's something out there that we're not seeing. And maybe there's more more signs of activity in the countryside than we think. That didn't seem to to bear out. So, you know, I thought, 
this is what the evidence says at this early stage. Let's take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. uh, another development that seemed quite clear in the countryside was uh, the rise of larger, uh, apparently larger estates. You know, we get uh, more traces of what we would call a villa, mm -hmm. um, villa, villa estates. We get uh, information about imperial holdings in in uh, in Greece and Achaea. Uh, so there seems to be, you know, sort of in some one sense, the pop, you know, the countryside is seems less busy, mm -hmm. but estate, you know, land holdings may be changing, changing patterns. They may be going more into the hands of the wealthy. Um, now, how this ties to Roman domination, um, you got to be careful because, and I think I might have fallen into this a little <laughs> bit back in the day, that, you know, you got an empire and, you know, once the empire comes in, everything goes back to that. You know, everything mm -hmm. that happens right, right. because of imperial control. Um, you know, and it, it can be really overly easy to erase, like, local agency, mm -hmm. local decision-making. Um, but I also reject the idea that, you know, people can become part of an imperial system, uh, you know, with taxes and requirements and new gods and stuff like that, and, and feel no impact, mm -hmm. which seemed to be the default. You know, you're an empire, you know, nothing changes. Um I was very struck by uh, David Graeber and David Wengrow's The Dawn of Everything book. Um, uh, quite quite a, a, f a fascinating treatment, but one of their basic points, very simple point, but I think has to be articulated again and again, is that people in the past were not sock puppets. You know, they, <laughs> you know, they're not right. cogs in the machine. They're, you know, they're, 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 you know, living actors and they made their own lives. Now, that said, I do think, um, you know, one thing that we know happened with Roman control of the provinces was a, an intense reliance on local elites to manage mm -hmm. things, to make things go. So support for that sort of part of provincial society would have been, you know, would have been strong. And I think that explains uh, many of the changes that we might have seen, growth in land holdings, uh, change in, you know, change in where and how people were living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, I think a very good way to put it. That you know you can't uh, assume that the Roman the Roman Empire is responsible for everything that's happening, but you can't ignore the fact of this you know continent-spanning empire suddenly assuming control and having a certain political style that seems to yeah. match very well with the evidence and expectations. Right, yeah. right. You know, and on the other end of antiquity, I remember talking once with Chris Rote over at Michigan, and he was doing ah. some surveys about late antique Anatolia, mm -hmm. and I tried to out where all the people went, basically in the seventh century. And they were the problem you mentioned about is it is a change in pottery style, or are people just gone? Is it plague? Do they move somewhere else? But, but right, yeah, you know, trying to match, and he was like losing his head, you know, losing hair over this. Uh, but you know, trying to match, you know, pots and people, and you know, it's ah, no, I remember, you know, I remember a slightly drunken party at Cambridge. <laughs> Where are they all? Where'd they go? You know, because, you know, I mean, you know, some of the treatments of Roman Greece are just, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. Byron, you know, fair Greece, sad relic, you know. And all uh, oh, right, and right. You know, this automatic, some of the Romans come in and everyone dies. You know, exactly they're, right. They're yeah. all gone. They're all gone. Uh, you know, but, you know, depopulation, it's it's kind of a literary trope, you know. It, mm -hmm. you, of course. If you lose, you disappear. If you lose, right, right. you're possessed. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But, um but, you know, looking at the survey patterns, I think one problem we have is we have tended to sort of equate um, busyness or dots, you know, many dots mm -hmm. as many people. And actually right. a lot of those dots, you know, were 
small settlements or small farm. You know, we're not talking a lot of people. So I suspect that, you know, probably most people continue to live where they had lived in mm -hmm. the more nucleated settlements, the cities, if, if you will. Uh, and that's, you know, and... Um, and that might, you know, so it's not so much a change of population as a change of, of settlement choices. And there are reasons in the Roman mm -hmm. period that an urban an urban base might be more might be more attractive, more options for work, more options to make uh, to make mm -hmm. money, um, uh, you know, being able to suck up more to the local elite, whatever whatever, whatever it may <laughs> Always be. Always useful, yeah. All is handy, right, you know. Right. Go to the you know worship at the imperial cult, whatever. But I mm -hmm. think uh, I'm. You know, I, I think we tend sometimes with survey evidence to uh, to draw too direct a line between, you know, mm -hmm. what amounts of fines in the countryside and, and population numbers. No. Right. And that said, there's mm -hmm. some evidence that some cities do uh, are favored by Rome and mm -hmm. do uh, grow. I mean, it's hard to measure right. urban growth. And with any, I mean, even with lousy Roman data, but anywhere it's hard <laughs> to measure uh, urban growth. So, but there's, you know, indications of places like Corinth growing mm -hmm. or the Augustan foundation of Nicopolis, you know, uh, basically they just move a bunch of people into that city. Right. So there's, there's definitely population transfers occurring, but um, you'd have to, I, I think just the... Boom! Crash! Everyone dies. Is, is <laughs> yeah, is, a little, a little bit not, not going to get us very far. Yeah. Right, right. So it's more a matter you think of, of nucleation than absolute. You know, that's, that's a yeah. That's a that's a that's a word. Or uh, can you know, nucleation continued, continued, uh -huh. continued nucleation. Okay. Um, and there's probably you know there is. I mean, it's hard to assess numbers, but uh, there you know some migration. We know there mm -hmm. is a flow into the. The city, the city of Rome. You know, mm -hmm. some people move to other parts of the empire to do business. But, but again, I think just you know, if those are the numbers that would really right, you know, it be... make a huge difference. That's a question. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I guess like yeah, you know, juvenile notwithstanding, not all, not everyone's going to Rome from the eastern provinces, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, pouring, pouring exactly. In. Yeah, the Orontes pouring in. in. Yeah, uh -huh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they may uh, have wanted to, but yeah, right. Exactly. Right? Okay, so so thinking about about cities, as you were saying, you know, cities do change a lot. They're, they seem to change a lot anyway in the Roman era. Um, you know, but the Corinth to be founded by the Romans, Nicopolis founded by Augustus. You know, are the, these grand new Roman style cities that suck in people from the surrounding countryside, and uh, Athens, the university city, because all these you know benefactions from Hadrian especially. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, mm. but. Um, you're thinking, I guess, how, how exceptional are these cities, these new foundations or, you know, Hadrian's darling Athens? You know, if, we, if there's a standard <laughs> typical polis, you know, if, if that exists, yeah. you know, how much is that changing under Rome, if, if we can tell? That's, that's, a, that's a, yeah, no, Athens is, you know, yeah, yeah, classical archaeologists, we sort of, you know, you know, we can't just talk about Athens, but sometimes you it's know, hard not to, there right? ain't there ain't no question. It's <laughs> it it is it is uh, it does hold pride of place in the Roman imaginary, and you know, uh, elite Roman youths would go. It'd be like mm -hmm. the Grand Tour. They right, go to right. Athens mm -hmm. and hang out and see the tourist sites, and you know, pick up a little philosophy and things <laughs> like that. The Athenian Agora does, you know, is truly transformed a lot of mm -hmm. uh, a lot of additional monuments additional temples come in to make this kind of uh, what some people have called a museum mm -hmm. which 
I think you got to be careful, sure. careful with that term, but or a memory space that basically praises the the glories of classical Greece, but now in the context of, right. of, of the Roman Empire. Um, so Athens, you know, and Hadrian, of course, just yeah, uh, put up an arch on one side. This is the <laughs> city of Theseus, and the, this is the city of Hadrian, and mm-hmm. so it's 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 the doll. Uh, but other cities do well. Uh, Corinth, Nicopolis, um, often cities that um, either. Uh, foundations or colonies of Rome, but also uh, that have some sort of, you know, uh, Corinth, for example, is an important trade mm-hmm. and communications node between East and West in the Mediterranean. So, you know, there's there's some practicality to the um, histories of some of the cities that mm-hmm. seem to thrive. But by and large, um, to an extent, I think, I'm not sure we've looked enough to know mm. Um, though more evidence is coming out that, you know, uh, is, you know, I think Athens and the, the biggies are going to be the biggies. Mm-hmm. But the uh, but I think, uh, you know, just the archaeological record for other cities may not we may not yet have the ability to call whether they, you know, really flourish or mm-hmm. there's new stuff inside them or or not. I mean, Pausanias tells us about many um, abandoned cities that still have active cults in them mm-hmm. uh, so you know there's still a sense of that they were they were there but not uh, but no archaeological evidence to sort of test right test whether that's an accurate picture or not so um, hmm. undoubtedly there were some I mean probably many stayed relatively modest relatively mm-hmm. um, you know Got got the basics, but nothing particularly special. Pausanias tells us about one place called Panopius. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got the you know, it's got this and it's got the, it's small and it's not much, but it basically has the elements that it needs to be to mm-hmm. be a city. I think that you know, and this wouldn't surprise anyone talking about an imperial system, but uh, you know, the the homogeneity disappears, and there's more, you know the, the winners. Mm-hmm. And, and then you know the people who stay where they are, or or, or in, in indeed lose. Right. And some cities do wink out; um, they just uh, become, you know, bypassed by you know new systems of Roman communication and trade. So they mm-hmm. just kind of go away. So so it's a pretty fluid, a pretty fluid landscape. Hmm. No, uh, uh, recently, as I mentioned before, we started uh, the, the interview. I, I was uh, in northern Greece for about a week, yeah. just kind of you know driving around uh, doing. Roman stuff for the most part. And you have like the Roman colony of Philippi, for example, you know, this is flourishing city. And then, but very near you have somewhere like a, say, Greek Abdera, which in the same period as Philippi is flourishing, is absolutely, you know, dying on its feet because it's not on the highway. You know, there's the Via Ignatia going through and it's this new line of communication. It's this connection with the imperial economy, imperial power centers. Yeah, you know, so, never never underestimate the power of a good road. There's a little right, bit of yeah. that in the Peloponnese as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, road systems change, and you know, you you make it or right, yeah. yeah. So it's like the railroad in the American West, right? You know, if the, if the tracks go through, you're great, but if you're, they miss you, yeah, move to town. You're, you're toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, plus a change. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So returning to something you mentioned earlier about you know, reasons people moved into the cities, you know, there are you know new public buildings, new people to suck up to, new cults, um, and above all, the imperial cult, which is you know, again this kind of fascinating fusion of you know Roman imperial, whatever you want to call it, propaganda combined with local initiative to create these things. Right. So obviously it's a very complex topic, but how widespread is is the imperial cult in southern Greece in Achaea um, in the period you're looking at in the early imperial era? I mean, I, you know, I I have trouble imagining that any significant settlement, any city Mm -hmm. uh, in the province wouldn't have some, some form of place where the emperor is, is, is honored. It probably Mm -hmm. varies in, uh, or surely varied in nature or in scale or how, uh, you know, how it's, how it's manifested. Um, But, you know, as you, you know, this is an, uh, an expectation of Rome and this is, you know, a, you know, a real, uh, powerful networking tool for mm-hmm. the local elites and imperial authorities. Uh, uh, Achaea is a unarmed province. It doesn't have a formal standing army. It's sort of inside the, mm-hmm. in, well inside the frontier. Mm-hmm. So, so the cult becomes in some ways, you know, a primary way to, 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 uh, to connect and to advocate for your city. So I, you know, I, I can only imagine that Maybe we haven't found them, but uh, Mm -hmm. if you read Pausanias, he will not always, but he will periodically. It's not his topic. It's not quite he's focusing on, but he will mention imperial cult Mm -hmm. in many, many places. Uh, You know, um, there's clearly, you know, statues of the imperial family are integrated into the the landscapes of the Panhellenic sanctuaries and other temples. You know, Hadrian's in the Mm -hmm. Parthenon. Nero puts an inscription on the. Oh, right. The. you know, uh, we talked about Hadrian and Athens. He builds the Olympia on this gigantic, uh, this gigantic temple, and he. There are no fewer, we are told, than 136 statues of Hadrian <laughs> in this in this one mm-hmm. temple. So, you know, there's there's a you know a civic festivals. You know, festival really long lived. Uh, Greek civic festivals continue under Rome, but they add in, right. you know, an imperial, you know, something in honor of the emperor's sacrifices games. So it's kind of an amalgamation or an mm-hmm. adding and an addition. So I think it's, you know, I can only but imagine it's in this in the settlements in the urban centers. It's big. I don't rural. Right. Not it's not really a rural phenomenon the emperor's not there to help you with your cow mm-hmm. or your, your olives uh my favorite is uh in uh, Boeotia in uh, Orchomenos the mm-hmm. town of Orchomenos uh basically we've they found a um uh what appears to be an imperial part of an imperial altar and it was in the middle of a tholos tomb a bronze mm-hmm. age Mycenaean huh. tholos tomb you know which you know, you can have a lot of, I've thought a lot about, and this just happens to you if you look at Roman Greece, you think a lot about memory. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, what's what's important about Greece? It's past is what's important mm-hmm. about Greece to the Romans. So, you know, you, you uh, the idea of putting a Roman emperor inside a Bronze Age <laughs> lost tomb, is, yeah. you know, it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, just the, the continuity there, the, the fascinating. Yeah, what's powerful, you know? Where right, do you, right. Where do, you, where do you put your main men? You, you know, they, mm-hmm. they. This is where this is where the, this is where they go, and it's, uh, you know, but it as I say, it's a it's a variable landscape. I, you know, someone mm-hmm. should really write a book about it. <laughs> yeah. Not well, me. yeah, very well. 
So, you know, as you mentioned um, a few times, you know, for the Romans, you know, Greece is about the past, or Achaea, you know, Southern Greece is about the past. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right across the Aegean, the province of Asia, now Western Turkey, we have a province that is very much in the present. You know, it has these flourishing cities, you know, Ephesus, Miletus, Pergamum, you name it. You know, they are just knocking it out of the park over in Asia. Nouveau Riche. Nouveau Riche, exactly, yeah. You know, putting up these, you know ridiculously extravagant monuments left and right, as anyone who goes to Ephesus now can still see. And, and so what is it that makes Asia, right across the Aegean, so much more wildly successful than Achaea? Is it just the landscape itself? You know, what, what are some of the factors that make this province just a wild success story, while Achaea seems to kind of languish economically? It's a big question, I know, but just uh, well, any thoughts? You know, uh, the word backwater often gets uh, <laughs> assigned to it, which always, you know, gives gives me the shivers because, uh, you know, backwater, you know, Greece is a Roman Greece is a backwater. What, mm-hmm. you know, what, what does that mean? You mm-hmm. know, uh, I mean, I hate to be, in a, you know, you could be an environmental determinist and say, OK, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Greece is, you know, it's a, a smaller landmass. It's mm-hmm. relatively dissected, fragmented. It's, right, right. Prior, it's you know it has a rolling plains. It doesn't have tons of water. Uh, I would say you know there are you know there are economic strengths to Achaea. You know the um, you know limited compared to Asia Minor, but there's marble mm-hmm. marble quarries. There's um, you know different kinds of uh, products that are made that clearly you know have appeal have appeal in Rome. You mm-hmm. know Corinth is a major entrepot, so it's you know it, I, I get a little twitchy about. Going back to the, oh, you know, all the Mm -hmm. Greece are all wandering around in, you know, plain classical tunics (laughs) being being poor, except the elites who are sucking up to the, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I I agree. It's a different, it's a, it's a different animal. I think part of it, you know, is the nature of the land. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, you do... You do wonder about the um, the relationship of Rome to, you know, the the peoples of the cities of mm-hmm. the area that I think you know I think Rome does have a different um, perception of many of the cities of Greece than it does, and there's you know just a whole different history of conquest of and course. annexation and and all that, uh, and you know Asia Minor's more in the mix with other powers over there. You know, Greece is kind of. Well, here I'm falling into the trap of saying Greece is in its little bubble and nothing happens. But, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a good question. It's a good question. Um, but I don't yeah. know. I guess yeah, there is no one answer, right? You know, and it's and, and thinking about how how Roman attitudes might have had something to do with it. I think we think, of course, of like Aphrodisias, you know, the, the Michigan yeah. excavation for so long, which you know is if any city should be a backwater, it probably should be Aphrodisias. They have the quarries, of course, you know, and it's yeah. a nice little fertile plain, but it really yeah. is pretty far from any major trade route, or seems to be initially anyway. But it yeah. flourishes, you know, in this you know really remarkable way, or seems to. Um, well, it's a great example of uh, you know Aphrodite, you know Aphrodite, Venus. Mm-hmm. Julian's right, Julian. right. Yeah. I mean, it 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 grabs onto that and and, mm-hmm. and and runs with it, and I think you know that that's certainly a factor in the success of the, the right. success of the city. Um, you know, I think you know, you know, Roman emperors show up everywhere in you know the Roman civic landscape. You know, statues, buildings, whatever. But um, claiming, I don't think any city. Claims them per se. I'll have to think more about that. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you know. Right, right. Exactly right. It doesn't. 
Yeah, you, you think almost of like um, like Ilian, you know, Roman, you know, the, the Troy, yeah. you know, how they latch, you know, really latch on to the idea that, oh, hey, Rome, you know, we're your progenitors, sort of. Aeneas did come from here, so. I mean, you know, in yeah. uh, Athens, will grab onto, hey, of we had so-and-so visit. Uh, of we course, right. Yeah. Here. We, you know, someone, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it, uh, you know, that, I, that, I wonder if that's a. Uh, that's a factor as well. Yeah, it's hard to say. Anyway, just kind of something I thought about. Yeah. My, my own research when I was still in academia was you know, Asia Minor, basically. And so, you know, I, I was living among the Novu Reefs. You know, that, that, that was kind of, that, that, was, that, was, that was the normal, you know. I, I'm going to get such grief from that from everyone who works in Rome and Asia Minor. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, just interesting to me, me personally. But, um so, so moving ahead in time, um, so you know, we have this this era when Greece, you know, backwater or no, is at least stable under the Roman emperors. You know, we're, we're past the civil wars, which are so destructive, mm-hmm. and uh, it's quietly flourishing, whatever it's doing, you know, for a couple <laughs> hundred years. Doing its thing. Doing its thing. Um, and then, of course, things kind of fall apart. Um, there's a series of barbarian invasions in the third century where, you know, the Goths get all the way down to places like, uh, you know, Delphi, down into even to Athens itself. Yeah. Um, and this is repeated again, again, of course, later on in the fifth century. But so looking again globally, this very, you know, I don't know, God's eye view of Greece in this era. You know, how is Greece changing both its role in the empire um, and as, as, an, as, an, as a, say, a surveyed landscape um, mm. in late antiquity? You know, what, what, what is Greece like in these centuries, speaking very generally? It's a, yeah, no, and this is, uh, this, this I think is an area that um, probably, well, progress has been made in all mm-hmm. aspects of Roman Greece, but but especially, I uh, you know what's interesting about the late Roman countryside is that it seems to revert to more of a um, an actively settled, actively farmed mm-hmm. landscape, and you know quite how to explain this is 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 a little unclear. It may be you know a t- tying people. To properties to mm-hmm. to cultivate, um, but it's certainly not the you know you know you might say oh the Heruli are coming and every mm-hmm. you know and everyone runs away and um, so it's like the waves come in and there's signs and you know there's a you know the Athenians build a wall, uh, but for just ongoing life I'm not sure you know I don't think you could look at least at the survey evidence and say yeah there it is mm-hmm. they've, they've you know they've come and that's. Uh, that's an interesting thing about many invasions. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, we envision them as all-encompassing and you know, right, like right. blood of flood of violence, and and it's more limited and targeted than that. But uh, yeah, and later than that, uh, we do get back into another. There's nothing there that we can find that we can identify the Slavic and oh, right, Slavic yeah. invasions. And we're, you know, people are have tried very hard to work on, you know, what are the archaeological signatures for these periods? And the answer may be that for some eras, there are no real archaeological signatures that material culture changes to the point that they, um, you know, nothing really will, will last to tell us what, mm-hmm. what went on. And so this is, again, why I keep kind of coming back to source criticism and how, you know, kicking the tires, can we trust? Right, what, do, right. what do we know and what do we don't know? But, hmm. Yeah, you're thinking about Asia Minor again, as I apparently yeah. do very often. Um, yeah. You know, so so I was talking with uh, you know, Chris Rattay again you know, about you know, the, the end of the Roman 
the end of urban life in yeah. late antiquity in Asia Minor. Yeah. And, and there's this theory, I think it was way, way back when like Clive Foss, people like him in the 70s, were saying that the Persian invasions, you know, that the Great War of the early 7th century devastated the cities of Asia Minor so comprehensively that they never really recovered, that that invasion was so long-lasting that it wasn't like a raid, they come in, you know, target the big cities, that it just, you know, caused long, you know, long-standing, comprehensive devastation. And I don't know if that theory, you know, Chris didn't know then, you know, we're looking at one little area of Asia Minor then, um, if this has been proven or disproven, it's probably a very local thing. But uh, yeah, I guess my, my sense from what little I know about late Roman Greece is that, right, it was much more, they come in for the loot, you know, they, they want the mine, before, yeah. before the Slavs anyway, that they, they come yeah. in, they, they want, uh, you know, get the gold, get out. Yeah. Um, let's, hit, let's, hit, Hit Delphi, hit, the, hit, hit Delphi, right? Let's, 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 hit, hit the sanctuary. Exactly, and, right. You know, and, hit, and, hit, and hit it and quit it, right? Yeah. No, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it would be interesting to know what the current thing is. When I was coming up the pike, that was the model mm-hmm. for Asia Minor. That's like you know, right, right. It was the Persians. And I, I don't know if that's still true. Yeah. Everything falls apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but yeah right in Greece it's the Slavs you know almost the same time or this this the, the Avars or whatever else come in and then mm-hmm. cities burned down just aren't rebuilt and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a sea change of some sort happening. I mean but, a new uh, form of evidence that will uh, shed light on it and it may perhaps have already been done uh, but you know ancient DNA is, oh, yeah. is increasingly being used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, assess uh, you know sort of lasting impact of, mm-hmm. of of new of new populations, and I I don't actually know what the situation is if anyone's done those sorts mm-hmm. of studies for 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 Greece, but uh, they've certainly you know uh, uh, you know uh, you know Minoans and Mycenaeans and you know and and that you know are modern Greeks related to right Asia right and all these kinds of these kinds of things. It's an interesting field of study. It it to uh, uh, the stories you can tell with it, you know, have to be, yeah, yeah, fact checked, fact checked, and carefully told. I think it's right. A, yeah, there's definitely ways a, that has to be misused. Tricky, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a tricky area. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, so you know, to to return to the the present at long last, you know, as uh, you said, you know, it's been thirty years since the book appeared, and you know, so much new research has appeared. And so if you were to summarize how research on Roman Greece has changed in the last three decades, and even how your own thinking has evolved on the topic, you know, again, very big questions, but. Right. Well, this is, uh, you know, and probably, probably I should have told you this when I start, when you first invited <laughs> me to do the podcast is that, you know, I worked very intensively, uh, you know, Greg mm-hmm. Kappa, and then I thought a lot about um, memory, Memory right, right. period, the relationship of the so-called second sophistic, which is the mm-hmm. literary, you know, sort of equivalent of, you know, you know, you know uh, Roman period mm-hmm. adoration of the classical past and all the manifestations it took. And I looked for archaeological correlates of correlates of that, and uh, that was, uh, um, you know, uh, archaeologies of memory book. And then, to be completely honest, I kind of wandered away from. <laughs> Roman Greece, and so that's you know, you know, that's that's you know, oh gosh, I won't say twenty years, but you know, fifteen years or so. And I've kept tabs, you know, I, I but I did field work in Armenia, and I've worked in mm. Jordan. I went into academic administration for a while, so I've kind of kept an eye, but I haven't, you know. So in you know, in the interest of full disclosure, <laughs> you know, I am very far from the latest and the greatest. <laughs> On Roman Greece these days, because I'm happy to say that, you know, it, you know, no one's ever going to get, you know, uh, approached at a drunken AIA party. It's like, <laughs> why do you work on that? I mean, I think those days are gone forever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's various signs of this. There's an absolutely wonderful bunch of um, of uh, 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 younger Greek uh, archaeologists who are interested in the Roman period. They about uh, 2012 or so they decided mm-hmm. to start this thing called the Roman Seminar, which has been going. They have periodic lectures. You can, I think you can zoom in and watch. They're mm-hmm. they're fabulous. They organized a conference uh, in oh, 2013, I think. No, maybe. I can't remember 20. I can't remember, but this is, this is the result. What's new in Roman Greece. Well, there it is. Uh, Recent work on the Greek mainland and the islands in the Roman Peloponnese. This was a conference in 2015 that got published in 2018. You know, it is a whopper. Wow. Yeah. Over 600 pages. It's a doorstop of a book. Yeah. It's a doorstop, (laughs) you know, and it's just full of, you know, uh, you know, sort of small studies that are just Mm -hmm. pixelating. The picture of of Roman Greece. So there's that. Um, next weekend, I'm going to a conference at Florida State University on uh, city and cult in Roman Greece. Mm-hmm. I think there've been some AIA sessions on Roman Greece. Uh, so it's 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 get it's getting there. Some uh, projects specifically targeting mm-hmm. you know things like Herodes, the villas of oh, Herodes yeah. Atticus. You know, so it's it's no longer the it's no longer um, second class, second place, you know, where you go for academic obscurity. But uh, that said, you know, it, there's there's still some imbalance out there. Um, mm-hmm. What I would say in my thinking, uh, from what I've observed, and, you know, someday I may come, come back to it full bore, but, um, you know, with the evidence I had for Grecia Capta, uh, it it was definitely early days. As I said, I think it couldn't have been written much before I did. Uh, so it was a story that I came up with, I told, out of the evidence we had at the time. I think uh, the additional evidence is, you know, sort of, well, definitely more nuanced, um, more micro-environmental. There's mm-hmm. clearly a lot more variety in responses uh, to Roman to Roman rule in different parts of Achaea. There's been more work in Crete. There's been more work in the Western Peloponnese around Patras. Uh, I think Northern Greece is, you know, mm. that used to be like, oh yeah, uh, hit Thessaly <laughs> and stop, you know, when I was coming up the pike. And mm. now there's much, much more, and as you say, major, major Roman di- diom and, you know, major oh, yeah. Roman Roman cities up there were major things to take in to take take into account the relationship of Achaea and the province you know and, and Macedonia mm-hmm. is, is a fascinating one so you know in all to say that you know I sort of you know I had my narrative there was the narrative and this is what and now I think there's still a there's still a, a skeleton there uh, but we may have added a few fingers and toes and definitely fleshed it out in some mm-hmm. very, very, very different ways. And, you know, that can be a little, you know, I've had people come, you know, your book's all wrong. <laughs> you know, oh, you know, and that is, you know, you know, that's a, I say, yeah, probably it should be. It's 30 years old for him. <laughs> right, so right. If yeah. it was still true, then we're not doing any work. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's occasionally a, a little bit of a bruise to the ego, but, you know, this is, the you know. Yeah. That's what academic well, scholarship is all about. You know, right, you got right. to change the story, and the story's changing. Good. Yeah, I mean that's all right. You said that you make your contribution and hope for the best. You know, my my own very small little thing I did in Major Minor, and you know, now that I'm out of the game, I just kind of sit back and like, oh, I should add that to the book. <laughs> oh, whoops. Well, 
Come back yeah. to the come back to the <laughs> yeah. come back to the come fold. Yeah, we'll see. It's all YouTube thing pans out. I don't know. Oh, but this, uh yeah, no, this is no, I, I I admire what you're doing because I think uh uh you know, one of one of the ways that I, I think we're taking more responsibility now is by trying to make you know our work more accessible and some, mm -hmm. some people are very good at it and some of us are probably too old to you know <laughs> hell i could i couldn't even i couldn't even bluetooth in so you know wow. so but uh, that's one interesting thing about the what's new in roman greece book mm -hmm. they actually have a section on the end that talks about presentation of the roman mm -hmm. past in 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 contemporary greece and that's becoming more and more an automatic part of, mm -hmm. of what we're thinking about and what we're doing so you know you're to be saluted Oh, well, well, thank you. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know if I, it's a public service project, but I, I hope that people, you know, find value in, in, in this, you know, and learn more about your own research and about Roman Greece and classics in general. So uh, anyway, now that we have this wonderful humming noise coming through, I guess they said, <laughs> is that the lawnmower, I think. Oh, uh, no! Uh, no, no, it's fine. It's not deafening. We're really good. But anyway, Sue, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a well, wonderful I conversation. Was, I, I hope that was I was that was helpful. And uh, you know, I uh, I would say keep your keep your eyes peeled. You'll see more and more of Roman Greece in years to come, and uh, the story will keep changing. Wonderful. All right, and to everyone listening, thanks very much, and uh, we'll be back in soon. All right, goodbye. <laughs>